I would like to give thanks to the ancestors, known and unknown, those who have paved the way for us to survive this moment of time and to have a reference point to use as a blueprint to deal with these hellish times we are living in. I would also like to give honor and reverence to the woman of the universe for your superior work, for bringing forth the spiritual information through the triple stage of darkness of your womb and giving birth to God. We would like to give reverence to the universe and praises to the indigenous. My name is Raheem Shabazz and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. With award-winning journalist and filmmaker, Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic. Because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. The creators of Elementary Genocide Part 1, The School to Prison Pipeline, and Part 2, The Board of Education versus The Board of Incarceration, present the third installment, Academic Holocaust. Each film produced, directed, and personally funded by writer Raheem Shabazz. Hollywood Chronicles says the documentary Elementary Genocide turns a critical eye towards the dehumanizing educational environment that criminalizes black and brown youth by funneling them from schools to prisons. As the third installment to the critically acclaimed series nears completion, we're looking to our legion of supporters to help us reach the finish line by making a donation today. If you've learned anything, shared any content, or have received any value from the Elementary Genocide brand, you're going to love Elementary Genocide 3, featuring the likes of Kaba Kemi, David Banner, Shahad Razad Ali, Michael M. Hotep, and Professor James Small. To help spread this important message to the masses, visit elementarygenocide.com or search Elementary Genocide 3 on Indiegogo.com and make your contribution today. That's elementarygenocide.com or Indiegogo.com. If you're unable to donate, please share our cause with your family and friends. Get your hair cut with the latest styles today at Man Cave Barb and Beauty Salon. We're located in the city of Marietta at 903 Roswell Street. Ask for Robbie. Robbie is our general manager of our barbershop. Again, that's Man Cave Barber and Beauty Salon, 903 Roswell Street in the beautiful city of Marietta, Georgia, where you can get all the latest cuts and styles, you know, so you can be looking fresh to death. Man Cave Barber and Beauty Salon. Peace and power, black family. This is Raheem Shabazz, and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast, and this is episode number 11. Real quickly, I want to let y'all know about a few events that's going on. If you're in the New York City area, you can catch me at Mega Evers College, and that's on Tuesday, March 14th, 2017. At 11.30 a.m., we will be doing a showing of Elementary Genocide, the School to Prison Pipeline, followed by a lecture and a Q&A. And then at 6.30 p.m., we'll be doing a screening of Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration. And follow that screening, we'll also be doing a lecture as well as a Q&A. And this will be at Mega Evers College, and that's 1638 Bedford Avenue, Brooklyn, New York. 
The first screening at 11.30 will be at the EOJ Auditorium. The second screening will take place at 6.30 p.m. and that will be at the Founders Auditorium, which is 1650 Bedford Avenue, Brooklyn, New York. For those that are here in Atlanta, Saturday there's an event, March 11, 2017, featuring Kaba Kenny, and it's at the Return to Royalty Banquet Hall. The address is 879 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard, Atlanta, Georgia. Doors open up at 3 p.m. There will be a lecture and a workshop at 4 p.m. Advanced tickets are $20 and $25 at the door. If I was you, I'll get those tickets in advance. For additional information, you can call 404-981-2797. This fundraisers for Freedom Home Academy in Atlanta. Make sure y'all go out and support. Peace and power, black family. Today, we're going to talk about former neurosurgeon Ben Carson, who is now the United States Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, and his recent statement where he compared the plight of immigrants to slavery. Now, I want to state for the record, immigrants work for less, slaves work for free. There is a remote difference, and we must keep in mind that Ben Carson is the same individual that said Obamacare is the worst thing that happened since slavery. He caught a lot of backlash for that, and he seems to have not learned his lesson. I think he needs a course in history. He needs to take a course in history because he definitely got it wrong. And he tries to justify that. We'll play that as well. But before we get into that, let me play y'all the brief clip That's what America is about, a land of dreams and opportunity. There were other immigrants who came here in the bottom of slave ships, worked even longer, even harder for less. But they, too, had a dream that one day their sons, daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, great-grandsons, great-granddaughters might pursue prosperity and happiness in this land. And do you know of all the nations in the world, the United States of America, it's the only one big enough and great enough to allow all those people to realize their dream. After receiving backlash on social media, Ben Carson goes on a radio station to try to justify his statement. According to Ben Carson, anybody that comes to the United States from a foreign land is considered an immigrant. But according to Trump, anybody that comes to the United States from a foreign land is considered a terrorist or a potential terrorist. Here's the clip of him trying to justify his statement. What you're saying is that anybody who's come from a foreign place is an immigrant. And that's what America... Yes, and they were coming from a foreign... everybody in that auditorium, they knew exactly what I was saying. Yes. One thing that we have to do and be forever mindful of is that there are always going to be those that speak against the best interests of their own people. Ben Carson is one, and he is such person. Just as you have Armstrong Williams, you have Clarence Thomas, you have Skip Gates, you have Charles Barkley. These are individuals that are put out here and that supposedly speaks for black people, but they don't speak for us. They speak for white mainstream America, and that's who was in that auditorium when he gave that speech. I don't even think he believed half the stuff he said. Now, I will give Ben Carson credit. He was 
a pioneer in neurosurgery and he performed the first completely successful separation of twin babies. He's also known to treat brain tumors. It seems like now he has a brain tumor. Now, what we have to do is we have to realize that those that perpetrate and uphold white supremacy, they always find one honorary black person to put out there in the public view. And they award them. And he has been greatly awarded by the Trump administration. And that's why he has the position in the cabinet that he does. But prior to that, he received 60 honorary degrees and received the Presidential Medal of Freedom. I don't know whose freedom or what freedom is he's fighting for. But I know that we are fighting for the liberation of our people. And he is not someone that speaks for us. Marcus Garvey told us that he built the Starline ship so that we will be at the helm of the ship and not the hull. Ben Carson will want everyone to believe that blacks are afforded the same rights as immigrants while ignoring the fact that we were brought here in the holes of ships and forcefully stolen from our homeland. In his views, we are lazy, and if we only pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, we will be afforded the American dream and the same opportunity as immigrants. We know that's not true. That will not happen as long as racism and white supremacy exist, and we have those such as himself that speak out and speak against our best interests. This is Raheem Shabazz, Necessary Blackness Podcast. Definitely check us out every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Snapchat at Raheem Shabazz. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Necessary Blackness Podcast every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic. Because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Hey Atlanta, have you heard? True Laundry Detergent is now offering free shipping in the Atlanta area. Just text the word TRUE to 404-493-0523 or give us a call. That's 404-493-0523. True Detergent is four times concentrated and perfect for those HE washers. Just one ounce removes dirt, brightens fabrics, and leaves each load with a clean, fresh scent. Best of all, True contains no animal products and it's safe for sensitive skin follow us on social media true detergent atl award-winning producer raheem shabazz continues the elementary genocide documentary series with the school to prison pipeline that film exposes the social engineering done to african-american children in the school system and his other film elementary genocide 2 the board of education versus the board of incarceration takes an even deeper look at the history of the american school system and how it was made to justify subjugating black americans these films are on track to be the most discussed films in black america these films feature people like dr boyce watkins Dr. Francis Kretz Welsing, and many, many more. The documentary is available right now at elementarygenocide.com. That's elementarygenocide.com. 
Peace and Black Power family. I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors, True Detergent, Franchise Clothing, Man Cave Barbershop. Anybody that's interested in having their commercial appear on our broadcast can hit us up via email at necessaryblacknesspodcast at gmail. Also, I want to say rest in peace to Lynn Stewart. For those that don't know, Lynn Stewart was a radical civil rights lawyer, and she died at the age of 77. She defended Larry Davis, who was accused of attempted murder on the police and was acquitted of attempted murder on the police. That was in the Bronx. Make sure you go and look up Larry Davis. There's a DVD called Routine Typical Hit that explains that story. She also defended Sheik Omar Rockman. And he was accused in the bombing of the World Trade Center in 1993. That was uh, the first attempt to take down the World Trade Center. And at that time, a lot of people was opposed to Lynn Stewart representing uh, the Sheik. But she represented him because she knew that no matter what, that he deserved a fair trial. And she was a radical lawyer that was known to represent those that was considered outcasts or considered terrorists or those that was diametrically opposed to the views of the government. She represented everybody from the Black Panthers to the Weather Underground members. And she was convicted of aiding and abetting the Sheik um, as a lawyer, smuggling him information in. And she eventually was sentenced to 28 months in jail. And the prosecutor was mad. He wanted her to do 30 years. And he appealed it. And she wound up getting 10 years. Because the judge said that she didn't show no remorse. However, she was released under um, what they call a passionate release. Um, because they said she had 18 months to live. She was diagnosed with terminal 4 cancer, if I'm correct. And she was released, and that was, I think that was in 2014. And she just recently passed away. And what's... You know, ironic about this situation is that the sheik who she was defending died two weeks before her. And one thing I want to say is that Lynn Stewart never gave up the fight. Even when she got out of jail, she was still on the front lines fighting for the liberation of all oppressed people. And she took to the grave whatever secrets, whatever client lawyer confidentiality agreement she had with the sheik she never openly stated nothing she didn't betray him she went to jail on the principles that she stood on and we need more radical lawyers like that um she was also working with at the time you know during the Larry Davis thing with William Kunstler and that's another civil rights radical lawyer and you can read a book. There's a book. I read it many years ago by William Kunstler. It's called My Life as a Radical Lawyer. Another good book to read also 
is Black Robes, White Justice by Bruce Wright. We're going to go to a quick clip with Amy Goodman of NPR News speaking with Lynn Stewart right after her indictment as well as after she is released from prison. Here on Democracy Now! Breaking the Sound Barrier, I'm Amy Goodman. The Justice Department on Tuesday indicted a leading civil rights attorney on charges of supporting terrorism. Attorney General John Ashcroft accused Manhattan attorney Lynn Stewart and her translator and two others of helping her client, Sheikh Omar Abdurrahman, deliver messages from his Minnesota presence cell to his followers in Egypt. Stewart took affirmative steps to conceal the conversation from prison guards, making extraneous comments in English to mask the Arabic conversation between Brockman and Yusri. This will be a very good fight. I think we can make uh, the government uh, put up or shut up here, and I don't think they can put up. That was John Ashcroft, followed by Lynn Stewart, who joins us now in our Firehouse studio. In 1995, Sheikh Omar Abdurrahman was convicted of masterminding the 1993 World Trade Center bombing and plotting to attack the U.N. and Lincoln and Holland tunnels, sentenced to life in prison. Two years later, barred from sending or receiving written or recorded messages of any kind from his prison cell. If his lawyers wanted to meet him, they had to pledge to discuss only legal matters. According to the U.S. Attorney General, uh, Lynn Stewart broke the rule by helping Rahman deliver coded messages to the members of his organization in Egypt. Um, Ashcroft says she allowed a translator to read and reply to letters sent by Rahman's followers. Ashcroft claims some of these letters advocated the resumption of military operations in Egypt. The Attorney General could not cite a single specific terrorist attack that resulted from these communications, but he called them very important signaling to the Islamic group, that is, Omar Abdurrahman's group. Lynn Stewart, her translator, two others face possible sentences of 5 to 20 years. Welcome to Democracy Now! Lynn Thank Stewart. you, Amy. Very nice to be here. Well, uh, yesterday, in fact, you were just um, meters down the road in the federal courthouse being indicted. Can you respond to these charges? Well, I think that they're clearly an attack upon the entire concept of defending people in this country. One of the most important things is the sanctity of the attorney-client and the fact that a client can speak openly to his lawyer, whereas that lawyer is then bound not to repeat it. Clearly, Ashcroft, as in so many things, wants to ignore this, ignore the whole way the system operates which is not without its flaws, of course, but wants to intrude upon the communication between attorney and client. He wants to do away with it. He wants to make the government a third party to all of these communications. Um, did this come as a surprise to you, this indictment yesterday? It actually did. The uh, incidents that they're talking about uh, occurred almost two years ago. They were fully discussed with Pat Fitzgerald, who was the leading terrorist uh, U.S. attorney at that time, and uh, I was permitted to go back and visit Sheikh Omar after this press conference with this secret message, and of course that is part of our defense also, that it's hardly secret when you uh, hold a press conference, you fully discuss it. It's clearly a, a message to people that politically the Sheikh was not in agreement with what they were doing. It has nothing to do with signals and terror and what have you. The Sheikh is a political religious leader of great importance to the Egyptian struggle. And I 
know that there are many people in your audience that don't agree with this, but to me, this struggle is equally important to the Palestinian one. The Egypt is the largest country, one of the closest allies of America. Mubarak has had a complete tyrannical rule there. He has thousands of people in jail being tortured. Uh, so my view was the Sheikh has the right to communicate. And on this, where I was asked by my client to do this, I did what every good lawyer would do. I did what the client asked. And what was that? What is it that you said? Uh, basically, it was a press release that he dictated. We released it uh, to the uh, to the press. Uh, they then called me to confirm it was real, that it was not a, I believe, I'm, I'm not even sure of this, but I believe it was a Reuters reporter that called to authenticate it, as, of course, all reporters do. I authenticated it, and it went out. It was basically a statement that was something about, um, you know, uh, we have you have laid down your arms, and the jails are still full. They are still being arrested. Nothing whatsoever has happened. Maybe you should reconsider this. Uh, although he went on to say, I'm not there. I don't know. I only get what I hear on the radio. So, you know, but this is my opinion of what is going on. And they charged that you had broken the SAMs, the special administrative measures that would uh, prevent you from uh, ha having your client communicate through you. Right. Well, the SAMs are in place to completely silence the Sheikh, uh, to keep him from being a force in the world today. Um, he, the, they quantify things as terrorists, and therefore everybody bows down and says, yes, we must conquer this. But the fact of the matter is there is a distinction between political and terror. There is a distinction between, um, well, I always use this example. The Irish Republican Army, everybody believed was a terrorist organization. Many of their people were held in jails in the United States. They were free completely to communicate. Jerry Adams was not arrested when he came to this country. It was a different struggle, and because there was support for it in this country, they did not dare to trample with it. Here, because they are able to rally support against it, because those people are different, uh, they are able to repress all of what would be purely political statements. The Sheikh is, is in his 60s. He's diabetic. He's blind. He has a bad heart. But he is an inspirational force, and that is what they try to conquer. What about the Attorney General's charges uh, that you used your time with him uh, to allow the translator to communicate with him uh, speaking Arabic? Uh, to communicate messages and to get messages out, and that you deliberately would speak English over them to throw off the prison guards, that that was going on? Well, first of all, I'll say two things. The first thing which I said yesterday is, what were they doing there? Why are they listening in? Why am I saying we can't let the prison guards, if I say that, I haven't seen the tape, I personally deny this categorically. We handled our meetings the way we handled them, as we have a right to do, attorney-client. We were discussing many, many issues. We had very limited time because all of these trips were made not on the government paying, not anybody paying. We paid for these out of our own pocket to go visit the Sheikh. So we had limited time. We used that time very wisely. It will come out at the trial exactly how this took place and what took place, if anything. But I think the thing that people ought to focus on is 
why is the government there listening to everything we say? This is supposed to be a communication between attorney and client, not between attorney, client, and the government. And they say they have tapes of these conversations? They say they taped it, and uh, we haven't seen them yet. But uh, I, uh, you know, I, I've represented many people who have said in uh, U.S. courts, I am guilty of no crime. And I say this to you, I am guilty of no crime whatsoever. That was Amy Goodman of NPR News speaking with Lynn Stewart after she was indicted. As you know, Lynn Stewart has passed away from stage four cancer. She was 77 years old. I think that we can look at this and see that it was a frontal attack by the government. And we have to be mindful that she was the first person to be charged under the Patriot Act and they used her as a guinea pig because a lot of lawyers, whether they agreed with the clients that she represented or not, they understood that the lawyer-client relationship was in jeopardy and that if the government could do this, then the government was overstepping its boundary and this was uh, test to see how far the government can go and I'll tell you right now our rights are being trampled on by the government and this is just the first um, like I said person, individual that was charged under the Patriot and there's going to be more especially under this present administration with uh, President Donald Trump that's our conclusion for this week. My name is Raheem Shabazz, and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. And in closing, I'm going to leave you with a quote from our great grandmaster teacher, Dr. Amos Wilson. And this quote is from his book, The Falsification of African Consciousness. They give us education that make us dumb, welfare that keep us poor, religion that sent us to hell, and foreign aid to Africa that keeps Africans and poverty. Now, family, make sure you attend these two events. Saturday, March 10th, you have Kaba Kenmi at Return to Royalty Banquet Hall in Atlanta. Also, if you want to catch me, I will be in Brooklyn. Tuesday, March 14th, I have two screenings, one in the morning and one at night. We're going to be doing a screening of Elementary Genocide, the School to Prison Pipeline, and then we're going to be doing a screening of Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education, followed by the Board of Incarceration. And right after the um, screening, we'll do a lecture as well as a Q&A. Make sure y'all stay tuned to us. You can follow us on social media. I'm on Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, and YouTube. Everything is at Raheem Shabazz. And if you're interested in doing a commercial on our broadcast, make sure you hit us up via email at necessaryblacknesspodcast at gmail. And I'm going to leave you with a clip that was taken from the FTP Movement Podcast Contraband. Black is beautiful. Peace. This is Brother Tunisio Sanima, a.k.a. DJ Fourth World, calling live and direct from Atlanta, Georgia. Black is beautiful. Black is powerful. Peace and respect. This is John Robinson calling from New Jerusalem, New Jersey. Black is beautiful. Black is powerful. 
Hi, this is Trina Tessetis, calling from Israel. Black power and black is beautiful. FTP, black is beautiful. Black is powerful. This is Rashida Ali of the Black Diner Suite. And yes, black is beautiful. Yo, peace and love. This is Issa Star, a.k.a. Jupiter Girls, Cat City all day. Like a Godzilla, understand black is beautiful, black is powerful. This is Uno the Prophet, calling from Boss Town. Red, black, and green forever. It's your boy, Uncle Paradise, from the world-famous X-Clan, Black Watch Movement, Universal Zulu Nation, Supreme Black Love. This is Brother Khalil Shabazz. Black is beautiful, black is powerful, you always know it is. This is Sadiqi Bakari from Los Angeles. Mafia Mind Crew, Respect Doom, Rascal over the Farmer Pass and True. I want to tell you that blackness is active. Blackness is a way beyond a color. Blackness is a practice. This is Sister Adelke Olanita Cole giving you a call from Houston, Texas. So Wallace, showing mad respect for the warriors that protect and strengthen us as a people. FTP, black is beautiful, black is powerful. It's Bruce George, co-founder of Death Poetry. Yo, what's up? This is DT, one half of the crew clan, Destin. Give a much love and a big shout to the whole FTP movement. Peace, fam. This is Cherie, Lens of Life Photography. Only thing I have to say is black is beautiful. Black is beautiful. Yeah, what up? This is Pootie the Biz. Calling from the ATL, repping that Be More and Hempstead, baby. I just want to let you know that black is beautiful. Black is powerful. Yeah. What's going on, y'all? This is the mighty J. Mitchell, Melodious Fly. Calling my man, Kalanji. Calling from Los Angeles, California. Yeah. Black is beautiful, and black is powerful. Yes, indeed. Peace, peace. What's going on? This is Hassan Salam, and I want y'all to always remember, black is beautiful, black is powerful. Stay strong, be wise, walk on water always. man Big Rack, FTP. Black is beautiful, black is powerful. Peace. It's your comrades, Aid Malik. Black is beautiful, black is powerful, saluted all the way with it, man. FTP saluted, man. Black is beautiful, that it is. But I'm not only talking about the outside. What I am talking about is the spirit, the resilience, the unseen works of beauty and love that was, is manifested by our ancestors and now must be manifested by us. Honor, respect. Karen Marie Mason, Red Clay Music Group. Yo, what's good, people? It's your man Fortnite Live and Direct. Black is beautiful. Black is powerful. Peace, this is Aja Africa. For all the kings and queens out there, your black is beautiful. Your black is powerful. Luke, 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 I'm Ebony Joy. Just want to say, black is beautiful and black is powerful. Holy and absolutely. Peace. Ekendayo says, FTP, black is beautiful, black is powerful. Fire.